right, welcome back to the big program. Playlist Friday, and the Duke comes through with some of the peppers. Got to be happy about that. And time to elevate your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes Best Rated Residential Elevators, manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information as uh, we welcome in Levi Weaver from The Athletic, covering the Texas Rangers and a team that definitely... Elevated its game. Welcome to 1440, Levi. Hey, guys. I'm just glad you didn't play Creed as I was coming on. <laughs> I've heard enough Creed to last me a lifetime. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Like it. Like it. Um, what's it. What was it like to cover a team, you know, that wins a world championship? Uh, as a reporter, as a journalist, um, it's kind of what we all look forward to maybe why we get in the game i guess because you can't play but anytime you can cover a a world championship world championship team it feels good it feels good what was it like for you well full disclosure i covered the rangers for the athletic uh i was i covered the team last seven years and then this year i moved to (laughs) mlb newsletter coverage so i wasn't even there like every day like usual and of course, they wait until the year that I'm doing the newsletter to go win the World Series. Uh, but I was fortunate to get that basically worked double duty for the last week, and they they put me back on the World Series coverage. So it was nice to kind of swoop back in the the, the spoils of the fruit, even though I didn't have to be there every day. Every still day has day. to feel uh, good, though, Levi. Still um, has to feel good. It it does. Yeah, to still have been there from you know every day for the last seven years and. You know, full disclosure, the Rangers were the team that I cheered for when I was a kid. Um, So it's, you know, you certainly have to take off the the fan cap a little bit when you're covering a team and you have to be objective and you have to write things sometimes. And and I wrote a lot of things for the last seven years that were not particularly savory because that was the honest truth about the team. And it, it did feel good to be in the room and just see you know, the, the weight of decades and decades of you know, I, I think I described the team as uh, their, their legacy up until now was a team that would either make their fans feel bad or feel good in a way that you knew was going to make you feel bad later because there was just never quite that payoff of a World Series. Uh, there were so many close calls. And, in fact, the closest call of all in 2011 when they were one strike away twice and and still couldn't manage a win in Game 6 uh, or 7 in 2011. So it was um, it was... For me personally, you know, I appreciated being in the room, but man, just watching the reaction of Rangers fans, and there were a yeah. lot of them there and there. Levi Weaver from The Athletic is our guest on Sports 1440. You know, Levi, the the one, I guess, quote or comment that sort of resonated with me following the victory to close things out came from Arizona closer Paul Seawald, who spent most of the year with Seattle and the quote was I've said all year that I thought they were the best team in the American League uh, said Paul Seawald who spent most of the season with the Rangers AL West rival Mariners when they are at their best that lineup comes at you and they did a great job they are deserving champions can you just speak to that and how the fact that you know the Rangers just keep coming at you at waves in that lineup as Seawald kind of discussed in his comment Oh, I think we lost Levi Weaver. I thought something was up there at the end of that last answer, Duke, as well. We'll try to get uh, Levi back on the line as the Texas Rangers are celebrating their World Series with the parade today. Uh, Maybe it's on right now. Who knows? It could be. 
in Arlington when the city's entertainment district hosts the victory parade. 50 years in the making. 50 years. I think we got Levi back on the line. Levi, can you hear me now? Yes, sorry, I don't know what happened. My, my no, phone. No worries. No worries. Uh, my comment to you was about what Paul Seawald said after the closeout victory, because uh, he spent most of the year with Seattle, and he said, I've said all year that I thought that they were the best team in the AL. Uh, that's what Paul Seawald said. So can you speak to that and just to how the, the Rangers lineup just keeps coming at you, coming at you, despite injuries and things like that, and their depth showed the reason why they were World Series champs? Yeah, and and that really was the the calling card of this team. They were such a, an offensive force, especially in the first half. And the talk this off season was finally this is a pitching first team, right? They signed Jake Degrom, they signed Andrew Heaney, they signed Nathan Evaldi. They already had John Gray, and all of a sudden you look at the rotation and you're like, wow, this is this is unusual for a Rangers team. They've traditionally been an offense first team, and man, now this pitching looks like it's going to be really good. And uh, no, no, they they still just absolutely you know bashed the mess out of the baseball all season long. And then um, you know that the depth, like you mentioned, really was a big mm-hmm. a big issue. They they had so many injuries throughout the year. Corey Seager went down for a little bit. Jonah Heim was out. Josh Young was out. Adolis Garcia injured a little bit near the end of the season. Of course, for the last two games of the World Series, and. Guy after guy just stepped up, whether it be Robbie Grossman, or Travis Jankowski, or you know, Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith throughout the regular season. Um, and you know, you're never going to replace Corey Seager, but they, they they filled in and did just fine. And, and the depth was great. I think Mitch Garver was an yeah. underrated part of the offense as well. He had a great year and um, and had some big home runs in the postseason too. So as you as you said, it, it absolutely was the depth that uh, that saw them through. Levi Weaver from the Athletics, our guest on Sports 1440. Will we ever see 11-0 and on the road again in the postseason? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, if the, if the commissioner continues to extend the playoffs, <laughs> maybe we'll see 14-0 on the yeah, road. I don't, know. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it's just such a weird thing, right? Like, how can you ever predict that to, to happen? Uh, and I saw somewhere online, I wish I could give credit to the to the person who came up with this. I don't know who it was. But the teams that they beat were the, the Rays, the Orioles, the Astros, and the Diamondbacks. And mm-hmm. those four letters spell out R-O-A-D. So <laughs> if you didn't think we live in a simulation, now might be the time to, to reconsider. That's cool. Uh, yeah, very, very unexpected. And uh, just one of those things that uh, I don't know how to explain, but it certainly was cool to see. Levi Weaver is our guest on Sports 1440. Can you describe the job that the general manager did putting this team together and at the deadline, picking up a guy even like Jordan Montgomery? Yes, and I am glad you gave me the opportunity to speak about this because I think uh, John Daniels also deserves a lot of credit. He was the, the president of baseball operations from you know uh, very early on. I think his first year as GM was 2005. And he laid a lot of the groundwork um, for this team with a lot of the drafting, a lot of the acquisitions. I mean, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon were under his um, under his watch. And then, and that's not to take away anything from what Chris Young did. I think yeah. Chris Young absolutely was a needed element when he came in and his you know aggressive, put the gas pedal down and and go for it mentality was was very needed. But I, um, you know, Daniels was let go at the end of last year, and. Um, and I think he also deserves a lot of credit for, for a lot of the, 
the construction of the roster. Um, but they did it in a lot of ways. You know, people talk about the, the free agents, and that's absolutely true. They spent a ton of money in free agency, and yeah. it worked. But they also, as you mentioned, made some some good trades. Uh, would have maybe expected Max Scherzer to be the impact trade at the deadline, but it, it ended up being Montgomery. Yeah. Um, and then the drafting, they sort of refigured their their draft uh, strategy, and you know, Josh Young and Evan Carter were very big parts of the of the team that that succeeded in the playoffs and, and throughout the World Series. So it was a pretty well-rounded, you know, the, the free agent big dollar yeah. you know, marks are going to get the attention, but it was a pretty well-rounded approach for, for roster building. He put it together quite well. I mean, Evan Carter coming up with was a big turning point. He came up when Young came off the DL and Garcia was out a little bit high at that time, as you had mentioned. And, you know, besides Carter, they got a young guy, Wyatt Langford, coming up who's going to be a good player as well. So... They got more more bats and arms coming in the minors. Do you think that Bruce Bochy gets off the couch if there's another GM that doesn't phone him in Chris Young? And it sounded to me uh, to hear him talk about you know being uh, on uh, in the dugout with Team France. He had helped try to qualify for the baseball classic, and he had this sort of epiphany. And I think he said he was in Germany, and kind of like yeah, I kind of missed this a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Would he have come back for anybody but the Rangers? Maybe. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's there a situation or two he probably would have listened to. But Chris Young was one of his former players um, yeah. in, in San Diego, and the two had a very good relationship. And I think, you know, they sort of downplayed that a little bit in saying that, you know, that's not why Bruce Bochy came out of retirement. But I'm sure that it couldn't have hurt uh, being a you know starting pitcher who had a relationship with his manager back in, and uh, gosh, this would have been the late '90s. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that helped to to know who you're working with and know that when he says that he believes, or you know, you can you, you know the guy. You you know when you're getting a sales pitch, and you know when somebody actually believes what they say. And I think Bochy knew Chris Young enough to know that he was not getting the you know slicked back hair and the car salesman <laughs> sales pitch. This was a sincere, a sincere uh, overture. Levi Weaver from The Athletic is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Well, next week, I would imagine we're going to start to hear the word Shohei Otani about 10 times a day in Major League Baseball circles. How do you think this plays out as far as where Otani might land? And what are we looking at? Half a bill here or more? Next week, man. I'm saying it 10 times a day to myself when I wake up. Uh, Yeah, it's that's the story of the off season, isn't it? Um, and you know, I think there have been some some talks that anytime a, a team wins a World Series, they're going to be at the forefront of everybody's mind. And um, and so there's been some talk like with the Rangers sign Shohei Otani. They've spent a lot of money on free agency lately, and I I think you don't rule them out. Uh, I think the Dodgers also sort of. We're pretty conservative in, in recent free agent markets because it seems to me like they're saving up for Otani. You never want to get into a bidding match with Steve Cohen um, So with the Mets. So I think there are plenty of options, but when you, when you look at the total, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be over half a billion, and, uh, and that's even with him you know, undergoing Tommy John surgery and not pitching in 2024 because he is just such a – such an impactful player at the plate with the bat 
that you, if you can have him as a DH for one year and wait for him to come back and pitch, then that's still a very good yeah. bat that you're signing for one year, and then you got a pitcher for the rest of the time. So it'll be interesting. Uh, one of the other angles is, you know, and I don't know Otani. I wouldn't claim to have any insider information on this, but mm-hmm. it seems to me that when he went to the Angels, maybe part of that was let's get this team that's had such a long stretch without any playoff success. Let's be the difference maker. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to know, does Otani want to join a team that gives him the best shot at winning a World Series, in which case maybe the Rangers are that team? Um, or does he want to be part of somebody who brings a you know the first World Series in a long time back to a franchise? And then, you know, I, I don't think it'll be the Cleveland Guardians. No. But, <laughs> you- but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what his mindset is on that. Levi, do you think he could ever surface in Seattle? Is that maybe three, four down the list, or is that a possibility with the Mariners? Maybe. You know, I, I heard the the report that he lives in Seattle in the mm-hmm. offseason, and so it sounds like he likes the area. That would absolutely check the box if he wants to bring the first World Series. Uh, you know, the Mariners have had that long stretch of, uh, of not winning a World Series. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think of the team's, if that is a factor, I think of the teams that that uh, still haven't won one. You know, would the Padres uh, yeah. flash out a bunch of cash? I don't know. They just took out a fifty million dollar loan <laughs> to be able to make payroll, so maybe they can't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they're cutting there. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, I think they're cutting there for sure. Uh, Hey, thanks for your time this morning, Levi. Appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy the parade today and some uh, celebratory pops with the Rangers uh, being uh, World Series champs. Thanks a lot for doing this. All right, take care, guys. That's uh, Levi Weaver from The Athletic, and there's no question that the Texas Rangers elevated their game, and we elevate our game here by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. Well, we just had a special guest appearance in the studio. Can you believe this, Duke? Doug Hicks comes in after we had him on with Fierzy on Tuesday, and he brings in a nice little bottle of... Chateau, uh, Chateau Castillo de Montserrat. I told you the uh, Spanish wines were, uh, were, were kicking butt, and this is a beautiful little Grenache like- from... Uh, Spain for well, you guys. Uh, thanks, Hicks. I saw you last night, too, at the game. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know you were coming in here today. Pla- well, How about this, Duke, too? And four little plastic cups. Yeah, we got four little four little shooter <laughs> cups here for us. And I uh, just have to get that one down to Grant now. I think we kind of promised that we get one down. down to Palm Springs. Oh, but, outstanding. Uh, Hey, thanks, yeah, No, I was just out mall walking. You know, i got to stay in shape for those uh, alumni skates here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, your name got brought up in the room because everyone's saying, hey, does Hixie know how to use an app? <laughs> uh, Thursday, uh, yesterday it was working. Uh, yeah. The next skate is Tuesday. I'm working that day too, but I think there's a Saturday uh, coming, coming up, up here yeah. soon, so I'll, I'll be out for that Well, one, sure. we missed you yesterday, and, and uh, yeah, it was a clinic by Chris Good. Joseph as usual. Hey, thanks for coming and bringing in the wine. That's you're awesome, welcome, guys. Yeah. That's so, great. Uh, you, well, uh, and are you, so you're doing the Bin 104 run here. What's going on? Like, yeah, what, what yeah. Are you, you know, I well, I just got I got, got out of the gym and I figured uh, threw that in my car last night, thinking uh, thinking I'd better drop in here and uh, and fulfill a promise there right, uh, for you guys. So, so uh, here's the thing: like we had uh, CBH brought in the the 40 ounce steak, and we well, the Duke took 28 yeah, ounces yeah. himself. <laughs> We've had Bonton Bakery bring in the goodies. I, like we have to sample this, Duke. There's no question in my mind. I think so. It's Friday. Friday. Right? Yeah, Why not? Of course. 
Absolutely. Do a little wine tasting. Yeah, I think some of the boys did, and, uh, did, did the Sobeys beer ones there. Right. I forget. And, well, here's the thing, like, even thinking, Hixie, a screw cap. A screw cap on this one. Yeah, well, I didn't want to pack a, uh, didn't want to pack a, uh, a corkscrew in here in case you guys didn't have any. So oh, we'll, get, we'll get you with the uh, with a screw top and uh, some little classy uh, plastic glasses. Thanks uh, for coming in, Hixie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, guys. you know, you might have to stay and just have a quick little. It's I know it's ten o'clock, but. What do they say? It's five o'clock somewhere, man. Yeah. Well, and I'm a, I'm a parrot head from way back. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, when we come back, we'll check in with Lindsay Rowley, Predators Rinkside reporter on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Right after we have a little sampling from Bin 104. Thanks, Hixie. We're back right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. We'll have Lindsay Rowley from the uh, Predators with us in just a minute. Lindsay, I know you're waiting, but. If you had a bottle of red wine in here, too, you probably would say, ah, I can wait for a little minute. I'll have to wait for the next guest. Uh, Doug Hicks brought in a wine. The former oiler uh, with Bin 104 brought in a bottle of wine because we had uh, Doug on with Grant Fuhr on Tuesday. So we were just talking about it. And Doug, I saw you at the game last night. What did you make uh, the Oilers uh, game last night against, uh, you know, a team that was on the ropes a lot of the night, the Dallas Stars, 4-3. And where do you see things going, I guess, moving forward here? Yeah, Kev. Uh, you know, I was up in the uh, up in the press box, and uh, you know, naturally, things up there look uh, look a little bit easier. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you're looking at all that space out there. But uh, um, you know, again, they got off to a you know a slow start. Um, you know, uh, just just couldn't get you know, especially against a team like Dallas, who had played the night before and and had a kind of a tough night against Calgary. They should have. They should have, uh, you know, come storming out of the gates. Uh, they did in the third period. Nice to see Sam Gagne uh, uh, get a couple. You know, little little mistakes. You know, unfortunate little whiff on a dump in there for um, Broberg. For yeah. Broberg starts a three on one, and uh, you know, um, poor skin uh, Skinner's out uh, left out to, to dry there. But uh, you know, that was a good sign to see them uh, really push at the end there. Um, you know, like um, I was watching Evander after, and you know they're in the right place. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, they've they, they were doing that early work um, in before training camp started, and I think that's going to pay off in the long run. They, they just got to keep on grinding, and uh, you know, everything is is out there on social media now, and there's a lot more, yeah. you know, uh, eyes scrutinizing. But uh, if they can just stick to their guns and keep on going, you got the two best players in the world here on the team. So it's going to come. So yeah, good things are coming. It's going to come. Thanks for stopping in, Hicksy. Thanks thing. for bringing in the bottle of Castillo Montero. You're right, guys. We're, yeah. I'm a Spanish wine guy now, yeah. Duke. I'm a Spanish wine guy now. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Hicksy. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Lindsey Rowley from uh, Nashville Predators Ringside reporter. Uh, so sorry, Lindsey, that we had to kind of wait and put you on hold for a minute and a half. But I think you'd probably do the same if if a former Oiler brought in a, a bottle of red wine, wouldn't you? <laughs> yep, I think I I think you're right. I would probably do the same thing. I'm more of a bourbon girl, but um, hey, I'll take a good glass of red wine. So you're a bourbon girl, I guess. Being in Nashville, they got great bourbon going on down there. Do you have a, a favorite? Do. do you have a favorite? A preference? Uh, Oh, gosh, that's tough. Um, that's like asking a girl to pick her favorite pair of shoes. Um, probably <laughs> my go-to normally is Four Roses. If okay. I'm sitting down at a bar somewhere, that's normally what I go for. Do they have like a lot of, do you do tasting and things like that? Like uh, how did you get into bourbon? Oh, yeah. How did you get into bourbon? Honestly, I it's pretty simple. My mom, my mom has always loved bourbon. And so I kind of get that from her whenever I'm home, share a nice glass of bourbon with her. <laughs> oh, Wow. 
I'm jealous already. Like this, you, I'm sure you would probably want to taste a little of this red wine that Hixie brought in, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I like the odd bourbon as well too. So, uh, thanks for coming on today, Lindsay, and just your thoughts yeah. last night. So the Predators with a, a four-two decision, uh, a loss in Seattle, and coming here on tomorrow for an afternoon tilt. Um, what did you make of the game last night? You know, that's a tough one because I think the guys did a lot of things right. I actually spoke with Roman Yossi in the post game and asked him that question and said, hey, your team did a lot of good things tonight. What was missing that led to the loss? And he kind of paused and said, that's a really good question. Um, so he, I, even he was talking about how much he liked the, the pace that they played with. Um, even though the man advantage got broken up a few times and there ended up being some four-on-four scenarios, he said he really liked with the man advantage. He ended up scoring um, a power play goal as well. So it's a tough one to put your finger on because I think the boys played well. I think that you could argue they were the better team for majority mm-hmm. of the game. And it was just one of those nights where they couldn't get pucks to bounce their way and ended up walking away with a loss. And I know they're all very disappointed and are probably going to be pretty hungry coming into tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon, Oilers and Predators at uh, Rogers. But uh, you know the stats. The Oilers seem to have their way with Nashville in the last little while. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. Oh, boy. So um, I'm sure that the Predators would like to shake that off. How can they do it tomorrow? And what do you expect tomorrow afternoon? Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot a lot more of what they've been playing with recently, especially what we saw last night, I think if they can continue that game, I, they have struggled in the first period recently. So I know that's something that's going to be a point of focus for Bruno talking to the guys is mm-hmm. the first 20 is going to be so important. They seem to be able to really turn it on and kick it up a notch in the third period, but it has been a struggle to find that consistency for 60 minutes. So I think tomorrow the key for them is going to be a strong start. Um, you guys were talking about it. I heard two of the best, you're going up against two of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, the Preds numbers um, haven't exactly been good against, against Edmonton. <laughs> and it was a, an ugly game in Smashville for sure when we hosted them. But I think that they're probably looking for a little bit of redemption, not only from that game against Edmonton, but also you're 0-2 on this road trip. Um, they know how important tomorrow afternoon is. Yeah, and you see Saras had an off game uh, in Nashville, the 6-1 victory that the Oilers uh, won earlier this year. But how has Saras been as a whole, would you say? Oh, he's been great. Uh, I mean, he's definitely been the reason that the guys have been in, in particular games. And You know, I, I mentioned that they, they've had rough starts. Um, but UC Saros always, well, I shouldn't say always, most of the time seems to start on time. So um, he's he's really been incredible for them, especially in those games, as I mentioned, where they have had rough starts. He's kept them in it. Um, he just never ceases to amaze any of us, I think. Um, he's he's always fun to watch. And I think that last year before we you know made all the trades and everything happened and all the big moves, I forget who I was talking to, and they were like, well, as long as you've got UC and Yossi, you'll be okay. And so um, both of those guys right now seem to be difference makers. Lindsey Raleigh, Nashville Predators ringside reporters, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. What's it been like? We, You know, we had Pete Weber on earlier this year. We had Chris Mason on earlier this year. We've had quite a, a big connection to Nashville, you know, broadcasters, reporters, things like that. We've had... Uh, you know, football yeah. reporters. I, what's it been like kind of working for, you know, for you working on the Nashville scene with, you know, greats like Pete Weber and Chris Mason, things like that? Oh, it's been incredible. It's really been so much fun, um, especially, I mean, when you start your your hosting career in hockey, I had been a rinkside reporter for a long time, but kind of made that transition into hosting and 
when your very first co-host is Terry Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, <laughs> I not only felt lucky, but I was I was pretty nervous. Um, so and he, of course, now is more about him and like Peter, like father figures. Yes. So, um, but they're they're so great, and they've gotten to know my families, and and just the Predators organization as a whole is so great, and we really have. As a broadcast team, radio and TV, I mean, arguably, in my opinion, one of the best in the league because we're just so close. We really mm-hmm. are just a family, and um, we really enjoy working together. And um, so it's been it's been a, a, a roller coaster of fun. And as, as, as far as the you know, we had the Cup run in 2017, yeah. so it's been so much fun working there. And I I really just feel super lucky to have the job I have, especially working with the people I work with. So what, what was it like when those guys like Pete Weber and Terry Crisp kind of took you under their wing? Oh my gosh, it was it was amazing, honestly, because, you know, it, it, sitting next to someone like Terry Crisp for an entire game um, every night and kind of listening to him, whether he's mad or, or happy, it was mm-hmm. always such a good time and, and joking and, and things like that. And he was always very open about how, like, teaching me as far as hosting um, the best ways to help tee him up. And, and honestly, we just ended up having so much fun on air together, and that that came across. And, of course, after he retired, now Hal Gill is my co-host and um, one of my best friends mm-hmm. as well. So we have – we have a lot of fun together as well. I, I but it was basically, <laughs> I always joke. I was like, I just went from babysitting crispy to babysitting Sylvie. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> but, um, but no, I really do feel lucky. And we, like I mentioned before, we really are like a family and Christy's still at almost every single game. Mm-hmm. So even though he's not working, he's still, you know, he comes by the desk, every home game and things like that. So, um, so he's, he's still a part of the team, even though he's retired. Lindsey Raleigh is with us on Sports 1440. We've had many sideline or rinkside reporters on, Lindsey, and I always kind of ask them the same question. How do you prepare for the intermission or halftime interviews? Because it's an acquired trait that you have to polish things at because you never know what's going to happen. And depending on the status of the game, you have to switch gears with how your thought process is when you are going to ask a question, uh, maybe do a re-ask. So let me ask you, how do you prepare for, you know, the many, many rinkside interviews that are very quick that you have to do? Um, I think most of my preparation comes from listening to the broadcast, listening to the guys upstairs in the booth, what they're talking about. If there's something that is a reoccurring theme that they're talking about. Uh, For example, last night, Chris Mason was talking about how he felt that the Preds needed to get to the interior more. So in the second period, I go on the bench and interview assistant coach Dan Hino. So I ended up asking him about that because that's been something Bruno has preached since day one is getting to the interior. So I asked him, you know, first half of the game, coach, how do you think your team's doing as far as getting the interior? So things like that. I really try to pull as far as from what the guys are taking because I know it's going to help them with the broadcast as well to be able to continue that conversation and and hear something maybe that they're wondering out of a coach or a player. So um, I think it's really helped me through my career. Um, My mother was a college volleyball coach my whole Mm -hmm. life, and then when I was getting my master's degree, I was her assistant coach. So I think it's really helped me to – when I I played Division I volleyball and then going to the coaching side and then being a reporter now, I think it's it's really helped me to pull from, obviously, completely different (laughs) different sports and different levels, but to be able to pull from the coaching experience I have and growing up with a coach and – and things like that has really helped me to be a, a better reporter. 
Lindsay, how much did you learn from your mom kind of getting dragged to the court every day, probably, <laughs> when you were a young girl? I did, yeah. I grew, my sisters and I, I have two sisters, and we grew up in a gym just wreaking havoc. And then <laughs> when mom had to get rid of us, our, our daycare was whatever sport, depending on the season, you know, whether it was basketball, softball, baseball, football, soccer, those were our, those were our daycares. So um, I grew up in a, around a university and um, definitely, I guess you could say, was meant to be in the world of sports. <laughs> oh, it's cool stuff for sure. Uh, Lindsay Raleigh, uh, Predators Rinkside Reporters, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Last month, the Predators had a little clay shoot for the Preds <laughs> Foundation. What was that all about? And did, did you really fire off a few uh, double barrels at some clays or what? Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, this year, actually, Hal and Mace hosted it this year. Uh, Mike Fisher had you posted it in years past, <laughs> but this year it was it was Hal and Mace, and it was it's such a good event, so much fun every year. And it's funny we actually did a feature on it last night in the show. And I said um, when I introed it, I, I I said we did have a minor change, and that this year Chris Mason and and Hal Gill are hosting, but some things didn't change. It was a lot of fun, and I am still a horrible shot. Um, because <laughs> I, I do actually uh, participate in the whole event, um, and so I'm, I'm assigned to a team. And I always, I always tell the the woman who organized it, I said, please put me with someone who does not care about winning, because I am so bad. It's still really fun, but I am so bad. Actually, this year, because I was focusing on on keeping the the gun like on my chin, I woke up the next day and like the right side of my face was bruised and swollen, oh. and I was like, oh man, I had some some battle wounds from the clay shoot. <laughs> Gee, that must have been quite the experience. Like if you got if you've got a little bit of a, a swollen cheek, then maybe you didn't yeah. get proper direction, or, or how did that work? Oh. I mean, there, it's, that's where it's like kind of supposed to be, and I like, and so, and I've heard that in years past, and I didn't, it honestly didn't bother me at all during the day. And I just woke up the next day and it was sore, but I, I started out like the course. I was, I think, eight for twelve. I was so <laughs> pumped. I was like, oh, this is my year, and I barely hit any after that. I was oh, like, dang it. So I started out strong, and then I went downhill. Oh, uh, that's a good story, though. Um, <laughs> do you have? Do you get? I mean, we've been, women broadcasting in sport, we've been going at this for a long time and really it has to be put to rest for, you know, so many, you know, men get upset when women are doing things and it's just, I don't know why, but can you kind of describe that journey for you and maybe advice you have for maybe other younger women trying to get in the broadcasting angle and of what you do? Yeah, I'm actually someone who I'm a firm believer in paying it forward and someone helped me. So I'm constantly, you know, if, if a young girl or, or male for that reason, that matter reaches out to me, always offering to shadow me or set up a Zoom, set up mm-hmm. a call, um, speak whenever I can just to help. Um, but, you know, I do I do always joke uh, and say, you know, whatever path you take, don't take mine. Um, just because mine was mine was pretty crazy. I actually a very long story short um, started out after I got my master's with what I thought was my dream job in Wall Street in New York, um, and um, kind of didn't corporate world didn't work for me. Moved back it and took an unpaid internship where I was the, the oldest intern by roughly five years, and um, ended up catching a break here and there and making it work. But um, I guess my, my only, well, not only, but the biggest advice that I say is like, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, LinkedIn was a big 
factor in my career. So never be afraid to reach out to somebody and, hey, is there any openings? Is there this? Is there that? Getting your resume real in front of as many eyes as you possibly can. I, I think sometimes people hesitate. I don't want to bother them. I don't mm-hmm. want to bother them. And, and, you know, the only the only way that you're going to, you know, get to be on someone's radar who's hiring is if you are reaching out. Um, so and setting yourself apart and showing that you do want that opportunity. So um, I think that between that and um, don't give up, you know, it, is, it gets discouraging at times. There was definitely times where I was wondering what the heck I was doing and if, if this was worth all the work was <laughs> worth it. So um, you're going to have those days and those nights. But um, it, for me, it all paid off. And um, if you're willing to work hard, it will for you too. Well, we appreciate your time this morning. Great talking to you. Enjoy, you. Uh, enjoy the broadcasting coming up here with the Oilers and and uh, Predators tomorrow. It's going to be an interesting afternoon after the Oilers are kind of, yeah. you know. And I mean, we had the outdoor class, the uh, sorry, the Heritage Classic here. So, you know, yeah, the, our boys definitely need one. I, I know you guys are cheering for us, but <laughs> it's it's a tough. Your to cheer for us. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, Lindsay. But you know, it, I don't think so either. But it's worth asking yeah it ain't, it ain't gonna happen so reach out now it ain't gonna happen so uh enjoy <laughs> enjoy the game tomorrow and uh, thanks for coming on today we'll uh talk to you soon thanks thanks so much guys have a good day yeah that's Lindsay Bye. rowley predators rinkside reporter it's a tough job sometimes being a rinkside reporter i've done it a few times in the well you know it was different in in inside rexall a lot of the times when we were doing in-house stuff and you you never know who you're going to get a lot of the times. It happens very quickly. All of a sudden, someone comes off the ice. Back in the day, it might have been a guy like J.J. said, No, you can't have that guy. He's going somewhere else. Pick someone else. Well, the stuff that you wanted to talk about to the one guy that you were preparing for is not available anymore. So now you got to change gears and move on the fly. So it takes a lot of work, a lot of preparation. You know, Gene Principe does just a fabulous job with that, and he's done it for so Many years on Rogers Sportsnet for sure. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for a wild week on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, Duke, does it get any better than that to close out Friday, to close out a week? You know, you're pounding the buttons there. You're, I know you got another hour left to go with Fantasy Frenzy, but then, you know, 18 wheels are rolling right to RD, right to the CFR. I You're got just it. jacked to get going to CFR. Once, once we wrap up Fantasy Frenzy at uh, 12 o'clock and turn things over to Low Tide and uh, Declan Freddy Krueger there, <laughs> I will be uh, hastily making my way through my post-show work and uh, uh, getting a few things. Let Connor do that today. Here's the... Well, it's for our show. Yes, but let Connor... He, hey, you carried the mail for Connor <laughs> when he's sick. How about a little reciprocity? Once, uh, Repre- once, you know what I'm once, talking about. Once, a little payback. Once Connor uh, gets in here, uh, you'll have to. I'll let Reciprocal. you ask him if he's able to um, take over my uh, little bit of very uh, crude video editing that I do at the end of every day. I don't know if he'll be too keen. He would certainly try because he's a great teammate. Yeah. Uh, like everybody here at the 1440 gang, uh, willing Aww, to help each other he's out. He's doing so. it. Um, but no, I'll work my way through that. Uh, cruise back over to the house, get a little bag pack, get myself cleaned up, fresh shave. For um, those, uh, <laughs> you can't shave. Why not? 
You gotta go in looking like you well, you're well, ready to roll for I, tonight. I, I clean up, you know, the neck and, nah, and the cheeks okay. and stuff. Just get things looking looking sharp. We got to, what did Tim Ellis say? The uh, <laughs> the the barrel racers with tons of money gonna be trolling around at the CFR Cabaret, but they'll I'm sure they won't actually be at the dance because they are like they Tim's, gotta, like yeah. Tim said they're focused they're locked and loaded they're they're athletes you don't see athletes out the the night before not anymore anyway maybe a little more so back i can in the guarantee day. you i can guarantee you back in the day covering the cfr a lot <laughs> how it would work is i would get off at midnight basically head to cook county for the week <laughs> in that course of time the show would end at 10 30 probably ballpark maybe 10 by the time the cowboys get out of there they would head from rexall or sky reach whatever it would be northlands and head down to Cook County. They are not worried about the next day. They're worried about tonight. It's all about tonight. Yes. It's all about tonight. There's uh, there's probably more than a few songs written about that. But <laughs> no, I, I'm obviously looking forward to it. Uh, as I've said, it obviously the, the social aspect of it, getting out to the, uh, the the cabaret after and the live music and a few drinks will be great. But I am a fan of just rodeo mm-hmm. the sport, so it'll be great to check things out. Um, and uh, and yeah, the, the, the last chance, at least for the foreseeable future, to see it in the Centrium, mm-hmm. in Red Deer, Westerner Park, uh, Tim talked about the intimacy of that environment and how everything is, uh, you know, it's packed, it's full, it's loud, it's it's a great environment, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. And then the rest of the weekend, it's all just going to fall into place, oh, yeah. the one after the other. It's going to fall. Oilers place, game, watch on TV. Golden Bears football. Golden Bears hockey. Bright and early Sunday morning with the extra hour of sleep for the uh, game from Germany. Dolphins and Chiefs. I don't think that happens till Monday. It's not, is it Saturday night or Saturday Sunday? night? Saturday night. Okay, you can have it. Um, what's your favorite CFR event? What's your favorite rodeo event? Obviously, bull riding is is top okay. shelf. Um, but any of the rough stock events, whether it be bareback or or saddle bronc, I love watching. I know you talked about the uh, the tie down roping uh, mm-hmm. with Tim about being one of your favorites too. I love the team roping thing too because we don't get to see team roping at some of the other big rodeos that throw the like. There's no team roping at the Calgary Stampede, so we don't see it there. Um, but uh, and, and those smaller events, like the real, true, call them cowboy events, like ones you actually use on a day-to-day basis when you're ranching, I love seeing those ones too, like the the, the roping and the uh, bulldogging. I'm a bulldogger. There's That's the number one for sure. I'll tell you this story, and this is a true story. In 1997, I was working in Calgary, and they had – I sort of copied it from – there was a guy in Detroit, Don, I can't remember his last name. He was a sportscaster. Anyway, they th- they had a segment called Dare Don. And Don, he went and put on the Detroit Red Wings gear and goal. Guys fired pucks at him. So I went skydiving in Dins- uh, Didsbury. So I did that. It was a Dare Carious event. Not a lot of fun jumping out of a plane. <laughs> it wasn't fun. One of the next things on the list was to try to be a bulldogger, to mm-hmm. steer wrestle. So I would go to, I don't know, some guy's ranch, get on a horse and try to wrestle a steer. Thankfully, I got a job here in Edmonton <laughs> right after <laughs> that request came in. Could you imagine me jumping off a horse? A small steer. We're, we're talking probably a smaller one. Yeah. Well, he said these ones, they're, they're actually doing it, these pro rodeo events. They, it's no small task. Like, no. And, and even when you're watching it, I think, on TV or even in person, if you're up in, like, the, the stands that are a little further away, like, these are sizable animals with yes. some big horns on them. Like, you, you cannot make a mistake or else it can cost you uh, some pretty serious <laughs> bodily harm. Tim Ellis talking about 
Cody Cassidy, Curtis Cassidy, Tanner Milan. These guys, you know, you're not going to ask them to twist wrists for a dollar. No. They're ripping your arm off. Oh, yeah. You know, they're they're ripping your arm off. These are strong. You talk about old man strength, that's what these guys have. And, I mean, they're they're twisting this steer down in whatever, five seconds. Oilers in action tomorrow. One o'clock, face-off, Nashville in town, and they've been beating Predators for fun. We all know about Leon Dreisaitl, his stats against the Preds. We know about Connor McDavid's stats against the Preds. Dirk texts in 1-833-401-1440. Hey, guys, I ripped on Gagne the other day, and I'm happy to eat crow now. But where? We're 97 and 29 last night. Wake up, Oilers, on the power play. Thanks, Dirk. No question, 97, 29, struggling a little bit. We saw it last night. Connor McDavid is not 100%. You can see it. Never took a face-off last night. Maybe it's the torque on the midsection. Oilers will practice in about an hour or so, just over an hour, to get ready for tomorrow's game. We'll know more about Connor Brown's situation left in the second period with... They never really said if it was lower body. It looked like it was lower body. Tried to work it out after a shift later in the second period. Didn't return after that. What do they do if Connor Brown can't go tomorrow? Can they send a player down? Could it be Philip Broberg? Then they go with six defensemen. Do they call up Raphael Lavoie? We'll find things out as the day progresses. All hinges on the situation with Connor Brown, what type of injury it is, the severity of the injury. We'll probably find out more as the day progresses. How about this for you, Duke? Deshaun Watson will start Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. The Browns need the Browns can be a really good team, but they need uh, they need a real quarterback. Sorry, PJ Walker, you did a decent job filling in, but and to say that about Deshaun Watson, like he has certainly not looked like the same guy we saw uh, in Houston so far in Cleveland. So they say they people were questioning his quote unquote love of the game because mm-hmm. they they said he'd been cleared medically but still refused to kind of get in under under center. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what uh, what kind of game he puts together here on Sunday. I, I have a future bet on the Browns to win that division, which I knew it would be competitive, and that's why the Browns were at such a good price in it. Yeah. I don't think I expected it to be this competitive. The the Bengals. Uh, they're they're kind of looking like they're right back after that big win over the Niners. The Ravens look like a wagon, and the um, <laughs> the Browns and Steelers uh, they're right in the mix too after the big steal win last night over Tennessee. I'll predict this: Deshaun Watson starts the game, doesn't finish the game. How's that sound? That's the curious, uh, curious That's a lock. pick of the week. It's a curious lock, is what that is. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to find put those it in odds that parlay. Put it into your CA. parlay. Yeah, put it into your parlay. I'll take responsibility for the ums and the ahs, the microphone malfunction today. Bring it on. I'm ready to go. You know why, Duke? Because it's, Cause it's six Friday. Min- six minutes till 11. <laughs> I'm out of here to go play media hockey. Not me- Yeah, it is sort of media hockey. We have a few media guys left too. But uh, thanks so much to our guest today, uh, led by our co-host on Fridays 7 to 9, Eddie Steele, the former double ear and CFLer, Matthew Shinetti, getting ready for the double header tomorrow. He's in Montreal, took the PGA to cover the L's. 
<laughs> Not really. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mark Spector, Tyler Yaremchuk from Oilers Nation in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, good to have Tim Ellis on. He really knows his rodeo stuff. Nobody better in the business than Timmy Ellis. Uh, Rick Walters as the Golden Bears get set. Big, ga- big game for the Golden Bears. Big weekend for the Golden Bears and the Pandas. Saskatchewan's in town. The whole province is here. It's going to be wild. Levi Weaver from The Athletic and Lindsey Raleigh from the Nashville Predators rinkside reporter. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... Former Rochef T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn. Brandon Douglas, 12 o'clock to 2. We've got the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Plus 2 to 6. Jason Greger takes us home with the Jason Greger Show. Thanks so much for everybody listening. It was a great day. We had a great week. Tons of guests. Enjoyed all the interaction from all our great listeners. Really appreciate it. Thanks for chiming in. We'll see you next week. Before Fantasy Frenzy, we've got a little sports update brought to you by Bonton Bonton Bakery. Uh, From your daily bread to a celebration cake, Bonton has that and everything in between for all your baked goods needs. Order online at Bonton Bakery. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here on Monday with Lorianne Munzer. First up, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.